Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. One might think I have some sort of fascination with apocalyptic scripture based on my first two sermons here at All Saints. If only we had to name it that way. Though this scripture from a different gospel, our reading from Matthew today, falls in the same extended scene with Jesus. Two weeks ago, we got it from Luke. Now, in this scene in Matthew, like in Luke, Jesus begins with the prediction of the fall of the temple, and then he talks about how there will be mass destruction, and eventually we get here. And here... Basically, to get the premise of the entire Left Behind series. <laughs> Maybe not all of us read that in the early 2000s. But honestly, I struggle with eschatology as much as the next theologian. And that's our big word for today, is eschatology. You know, the part of theology that's concerned with death and judgment and the final destiny of the soul and of all of humankind. Everyone's favorite pre-Christmas theology. (laughs) And also, I used all of my best end of the world material in my last sermon. So I did need some help for this one. Now, if I need material to have a devotional ready, usually if it's on especially short notice, I turn to Jan Richardson and those on council know this because I've already done this once for the council meeting. Jan Richardson is an artist and a writer and ordained minister in the United Methodist Church, and she writes amazing poetry. And Advent is one of the seasons where she writes a lot. So as I was searching for how I can talk about another apocalyptic scripture, I turned to Jan, hopeful that she might have a new directional outlook or some words to inspire me. And luckily she did. So I want to share some of her words from a reflection on today's gospel that she wrote in 2014, a year after her husband died suddenly at a young age. This time around, as Advent approaches, Jesus' apocalyptic talk comes not so much as a shock as it does something that feels familiar to me. December 2nd will, unbelievably, mark a year since Gary's unexpected death. A year since our world came to an end. A year since the onset of my own little apocalypse. The ending of one's personal world is not the same, I know, as the ending of the world that Jesus describes here. Yet the first Sunday of Advent invites us to recognize that these endings are connected. That the Christ who will return at the end of time somehow inhabits each ending we experience in this life. Every year, Advent calls us to practice the apocalypse, to look for the presence of Christ who enters into our every loss who comes to us in the midst of devastation, who gathers us up when our world has shattered, and who offers the healing that is a foretaste of the wholeness he is working to bring, not only at the end of time, but also in this time, in this place. 
Jan's experience is both fully unique to her, as well as familiar to many of us. In the weeks that are leading up to Christmas, we're faced with decorations and music and the constant message of the joy of Christmas. Yet, in this first week of Advent, the church liturgical season that prepares us for Christmas, we don't start with joy. That comes in the third week with our pink candle and all of the Advent stuff. Instead, we start with a little apocalypse. And in the gospel, we're reminded of death and loss, of the flood killing all of humanity except Noah and his family, of two working together, one taken and one left. And often around the holidays, we can feel like one left, reminded of those who we've lost, whose deaths have felt like the end of our personal world. And yet here we stand at the cusp of Jesus' birth story, in a season of waiting, of staying awake and watching for Messiah, looking forward to hope in a new future. That tension of pain and hope is what this dead tree that we have in the front of the sanctuary acknowledges. It's a blue Christmas tree, though it doesn't look blue yet. It's bare right now, but throughout the season, it'll become decorated with blue and silver ornaments bearing the names of loved ones who we've lost. Names of those we grieve during this season that's filled with messages of everything being jolly and merry and bright. As you came into the sanctuary, you saw the whole of these with my notes saying, hey, I promise we'll talk about this and explain it. You're invited to add to these ornaments. Take one and with one of the paint markers write a name on it of someone who you love, who you've lost. There's also, oh, first my notes myself. In order for them to dry with the paints on them, on the far coat rack area, there are hangers with little hooks that I encourage you to put them on to dry. There's also a paper where you can write names instead because I know writing on a round ornament can be very difficult. There's no limit, no restrictions to who can be added, no limit on the time that they've been gone, no limit to the number of people you add to the tree. And as this tree becomes less bare, filled with the names of those who we love, becoming filled with the blue and the silver ornaments, we're reminded of the beloved who are still with us in their memories and in their legacies living on in our daily lives and who we've become because of their love. In this tree, we remember the promise that starts in Christmas. Jesus' birth is just the beginning of the story of the middle of the story. A story that continues on a cross out of an empty tomb and will end at the next new beginning, where the end of the world is, is the beginning. A promise of resurrection in new life, of God's peace and justice filling every part of the earth. And through this tree, 
We're reminded of our faith in the communion of saints. The community of all believers, our connection to one another, whether living or dead, that's not constrained by time or space or seasons of the church year. At the end of her reflection, Jan Richardson asks two questions. As Advent begins, is there something in your life that is empty? How might you look for the presence of Christ who comes to you in that place? When our world feels like it's ending, this presence of Christ doesn't mean to make everything better. The presence of Christ probably isn't going to come with platitudes about God meeting another angel or about God needing more flowers in a field somewhere or that there are better plates with platitudes that don't help often. Because Jesus knows the depths of human grief. Jesus has experienced the depths of human grief, and he can sit with us just in that. And as we continue to look at our blue Christmas tree, filling up throughout Advent, growing more and more decorated in blue and silver, I invite us to wonder where we feel the presence of Christ coming to us this Advent in our places of joy and our grief. Jen also wrote a poem to go with her reflection that year after her husband died. And I'd like to end with that poem. Blessing when the world is ending. Look, the world is always ending somewhere. Somewhere the sun has come crashing down. Somewhere it has gone completely dark. Somewhere it has ended with the gun, the knife, the fist. Somewhere it has ended with the slammed door and the shattered hope. Somewhere it has ended with the other quiet that follows the news from the phone, the television, the hospital room. Somewhere it has ended with a tenderness that will break your heart. But listen, this blessing means to be anything but morose. It has not come to cause despair. It is simply here because there is nothing that blessing is better suited for than an ending. Nothing that cries out more for a blessing than when the world is falling apart. This blessing will not fix you, will not mend you, will not give you false comfort. It will not talk to you about one door opening when another closes. It will simply sit itself beside you among the shards and gently turn your face toward the direction which the light will come, gathering itself around you as the world begins again. And for all this, we can say, Thanks be God.